Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I am Alex. And I'm Nick. Today we're going to be talking about David Lowry's The Green Knight. But before we get to that, feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com is where you can write to us and let us know what you think of our show and the things that we talk about. You can also go to mpn.bz slash Patreon or Patreon.com slash MidwestPodNet. Go there and consider giving us just a dollar a month. And uh, we would appreciate it because it'll help us make our show and network even better. It'll keep the lights on in the Midwest Podcast Network, and uh, and we're very appreciative of those of you who who do contribute. Uh, for as little as five dollars a month, you can join us on the Patreon, um, where we're currently doing a read along of Dune, which I think I mentioned on the last episode. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't read any more of the book this week, but uh, I need to get back on that because I'm a little bit behind at this point. I think. I think you're still way ahead of me. I'm, <laughs> I'm catching up slowly, but I'm, I'm pleased to report that I'm, I think I'm at the back of the pack on this one. Well, you've, you've read it before, so you can lag behind a little bit and probably be okay. I guess that's true. I should at least maybe get to the half of the book that will be on screen, most likely. But I'm, I'm going to try and I want to finish the whole thing before I see the movie. So, Yeah, there's, there's really no... I, I don't know. I guess there's probably some reports out now of what portions of the book the movie covers yeah i know so there's some been some early uh snippets from critics that have seen it already and uh, the reviews seem pretty great so uh, that's exciting and encouraging yeah um i'm trying to i mean i guess i could go into a spoilery review and not really care since i've read the book but i just i just kind of want to know what it encompasses so i can align my expectations appropriately yeah yeah i think i think that you know, you'd probably be okay, but also I get the feeling of like, you know, not wanting to. Yeah, I don't want any like real your, specific yeah, yeah details. I, I have a theory of where it's going to end. And so far, based on a few little things I've seen, the theory is currently holding water. So we'll see what happens. Okay. Well, if you want to chat about that or the book, please come to our Patreon uh, and, and the Discord Patreon, which uh, is you can be a part of for as little as $5 a month. Um, and then for the rest of the network, the Midwest Game Nerds podcast just had an episode. We talked about Brian getting a PlayStation 5, finally. Whoa! Um, so please check that out. He played some Demon Souls and some Ghosts of Tsushima since he hasn't had a PS4 for the past couple months. Uh, so give that a listen. And, uh, we did a little, uh, bonus episode, our side quest that'll be out this Sunday for non-patrons. Uh, is a PlayStation 1 bracket, which comes just in time for the 26th birthday of the first PlayStation, which is today, September 9th, as we're recording this. Uh, so please check that out. Uh, and then the Horror Movie Yearbook Boys, they will have a Sam Raimi bracket episode out very shortly, uh, but they did release their um, multimedium episode about The Warriors and its translation into video game form. Uh, last week, so please check that out. It's on both feeds, um, but uh, yeah, multimedia. Please subscribe and uh, give it a listen. Uh, Nick, sir, there's a Matrix movie coming out this year. Yeah, <laughs> against and, all odds, it seems like it's still coming out. Yeah, the uh, I think the name was relatively unknown until a few weeks ago. Is the Matrix Resurrection Resurrections? Yeah. Plural. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And uh, this is uh, is coming out December 22nd. It is an HBO Max uh, dual release that will go to both uh, 
their streaming service into theaters and uh, being directed by Lana Wachowski. Not sure um, why we're down to one Wachowski here. Um, yeah, I thought that was curious too. Yeah, but uh, I'm too scared to click on the Wikipedia article at this point because there's a trailer out now <laughs> and people know what this movie's about. And I know... Oh, I don't think that's true. <laughs> People have some glimpse of what the movie could be about. How about that? Is that a better statement to make? Yeah, maybe? I, I think uh, so. And uh, so here's what I know. I'll tell you what I know. I know that um, I know that uh, uh, Lawrence Fishburne is not returning as Morpheus. Is is something that I feel as though I know from reports. Uh, and in the same sense, I know that uh, Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss are in the movie. And uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen from um, Watchmen and uh, and Aquaman f- fame, as well Can- as... Uh, Candyman. Jon- well, yeah, and Candyman as well. And uh, Jonathan Groff of Hamilton and Mindhunter fame. Um, and Frozen. And Frozen as well, uh, are also in the film as presumably new characters, but I don't know that for sure. Um but I love them both, and I think they're both great additions to a Matrix cast. I'm excited to do to see what they do. Uh, but you've watched the trailer that was released today. Uh, there were some little snippets that were teased earlier this week, and then a full trailer dropped today. Um, so, what are your? Give me, give me something. Are you Ooh. hopeful? Are you excited? Uh, are you more? Are you more excited than you were? Are you more concerned than you were? What, where are you at with this fourth <laughs> Matrix film? Yes to all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I am excited. I'm I am more excited than I was. I'm also a little more concerned mm. than I was. Uh, the Matrix is such a weird franchise to me because I think I'm in line with many or most people where the first is kind of a stone cold classic and the the sequels are you know you can you can cherry pick the greatness out of them but overall <laughs> there's a lot of just like stuff in it that seems kind of half baked mm-hmm. um especially the third one it's so almost they were like uh hey uh give us a trilogy and the Wachowskis were like the trilogy was in this first movie cuz you wouldn't yes. give us a trilogy right exactly um, yeah and so yeah I will. I'll go on the record and say I do enjoy Reloaded and and Revelations more than most, but I also acknowledge that they're kind of a beautiful mess. So, <laughs> in some cases, in some cases they're not very beautiful. But anyway, uh, now that we're we're both out in the open about our Matrix opinions, uh, please continue with your thoughts on the the trailer. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot about Reloaded that. I enjoy there's a lot about it that ages better or Mm -hmm. that or maybe that I appreciate more now that I'm older than when I think a lot of people went to the theater for both Reloaded and Revolutions expecting kind of the same from the first one and it just wasn't the same yeah and that's not that's not necessarily bad like I think now that time has passed I think we'd rather watch at least I would rather watch those than maybe just a recapitulation of the first movie Mm -hmm. which is kind of some of the red flags that I'm getting from the okay. trailer for the new one. So this feels like uh, the Force Awakens in some cases. Uh, yeah, kind of, kind of. <laughs> but 
So I, I said in the in the I think in the Discord earlier when we were talking about it, I said I had a feeling what this movie was going to be, but I'm pretty sure that I will be wrong mm-hmm. because it would be quite surprising to have a Matrix trailer come out and and actually be able to to deduce what the movie is based on that. It just doesn't seem likely. So I, I'm sure a lot of what's in the marketing is strategically placed in order to uh, get people excited and get people talking about the the franchise again. Well- and for my 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 whole thing is that like uh since 2 and 3 did not the sequels were not the big hits that people were hoping they would be um returning to the franchise this much after those came out this far after those came out you would think that they would really have a reason to want to come back and revisit that world um and i honestly like i think it's probably ripe for some sort of newer interpretation which is what really kind of initially got me excited especially when i heard that it was at least lana wachowski if not both wachowskis but right um, right you know the fact that um the fact that we only have one wachowski also kind of feels like it could be telling yeah <laughs> And, like, maybe the studio would also only, like, really want to kind of rehash the first one to get a new series going or something. But that maybe that's just the cynical moviegoer in me. I don't know. Um, There's, yeah, I wonder, I, I wonder. There's some pieces in the trailer that almost feel kind of uh, Avengers Endgame-ish, mm. potentially. Okay. There's definitely sequences and scenes from the original movie that seem to be in there. Whether it's that same footage or like reshot versions of it, I can't tell. Okay. But so you watched the two teasers, the, the red pill, blue pill teasers. I watched them once and did not push the pause button at all. Okay. And uh, chose to just let them wash over me and kind of in one ear and out the other. I will say the thing that made me really like um the weird morpheusness of this it kind of felt as though the voiceover from Yahya felt a little morpheusy. Yes. And I don't know if he's fitting into that role or being morpheus or what the situation is going to be. Um but yeah, so I did I did glimpse those very uh you know, for those who don't know, I think it I can't remember what the website is. Do you remember what it is? I don't. Yeah, but there's a website out there. You can click on a red pill or a blue pill, and they both are narrated by uh, Jonathan Groff and Yahya Abdul-Mateen. And so when you click on it, it it looks at what time you're viewing it at, and it has them mentioning that time in the video. It's very cool, actually. And that it is feels cool. really Matrixy. Yes. Um, and then there's kind of like snippets of the scenes, and I didn't think about it very much because I didn't want to try and do the usual you know pull everything apart but yeah i did i did glance those and it does feel very um you know a lot of what i saw looked very matrixy but i also i don't honestly remember seeing much keanu except for maybe from the back on one of them yeah but yeah uh visually it looks insane and i think i think that we're at a time now where the technique and the technology are at such a place where maybe making matrix movies again makes sense Mm. because a lot of the animation from the first 
three does not age well. Yeah. Particularly two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that if they played their cards wisely with how they shot stuff and, and enhanced it with special effects, a lot of the stuff that could potentially be in this fourth one could withstand the test of time. Like, uh, you know, when James Cameron decided the technology was finally far enough along to make Avatar, mm-hmm. kind of that thing. Like, it's insane that they made these movies 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, 20 plus years ago. But, you know, they did a, a remarkable job considering what they had to work with. And, mm-hmm. you know, con- with the state of where things are today, hopefully, hopefully the artistic uh, instinct and integrity uh, remains behind to make sure the studio doesn't just green screen the bejesus out of it and, and really just like, you know, churn out something that's less than quality. Yeah. I think, I think the, the biggest sign of faith for me is Keanu returning. Mm-hmm. If there's, if there's anyone who didn't need to return right now, it's Keanu. <laughs> so yeah. for him to be back is either the biggest dump truck full of the gold bars from John Wick <laughs> in his driveway or like to the charity of his choosing, whatever, whichever. Mm-hmm. Uh, or he's excited about the story and wants to revisit this character. And uh, I think it's it's really cool to see. I will I will not really extend too much credit to Keanu Reeves as an actor. <laughs> I think yeah. I think he's wonderful. Obviously, like everybody does. I think he's so good at what he does, mm-hmm. uh, and he is truly one of the. I guess I don't know for sure, but seems to be one of the few like good genuine, folks walking around yeah. Hollywood, yeah, with good intentions and very genuine. Um, that said, there are a few little beats and micro expressions that he has in the trailer that I was like, "Oh wow, he is actually playing Neo again." <laughs> it's weird. It's kind of like, and and people argued with me on this, and that's fine. But it's kind of like when Harrison Ford was in The Force Awakens. Mm. I was like, oh, shit, he actually feels like... He made me realize that Han Solo is a distinct character in the Harrison Ford Shades of Grey that he has. I mean, yeah. I'll admit it. He's not... You know, he's got not going Day-Lewis anywhere at any point. But he has he has his alley, and he has little avenues within that alley. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that performance really made me realize that, you know, Han's, Han Solo's mannerisms and affect are very different from Indiana Jones's, despite how they might be kind of cut from the same broad cloth, you know? Yeah. So that, that movie and that performance really made me realize like, Oh, there, there's more going on here in the performance than I realized. And, uh, that's kind of how I feel about this from this brief little bit of trailer. There's, there's some Neo going on in there, which is pretty exciting to see. Um, I, I'm, I'm tempted to tell you just to forge ahead and watch it because I don't think it really, I don't think it, tells you really what the movie's about at all like i like i said i couldn't tell you what the what the story is in this movie um and i think that if you really love the matrix and i know that you love keanu reeves i think you might get a lot of joy out of watching this trailer i think i'll probably cry if i watch it i don't i don't think there's any uh i think you definitely will right at the end when the when the music music just comes in the music pops in and there's a line there's a line right at the very end that it just made me start laughing out loud because it was just (laughs) funny and uh this trailer i'll tell you what if this plays in theaters if we see anything in theaters before the matrix comes out and this plays you should just give in and watch it in the theater because i'll bet that would be incredible i will uh and i don't think you would regret it I'll consider that. I uh, it's funny because you know uh, Corey of uh, of course of Twitch fame. 
Um, he yes, <laughs> Corey Twitch. <laughs> he he posted in in the uh, private the 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 John and I's Discord about watching the trailer, and I was like, I I just wanted to get the same thing from you from him that I'm getting from you of like, what did this do to your expectations for this movie? And and he was like, you shouldn't watch it. I, I I'm still excited for the movie. He's like, and guess what? Like, I'm not gonna watch. I'm gonna be like you. I'm not gonna watch anything anymore. We're not gonna watch anything. So now, now we have like a pact that he created of us not watching anything anymore, even though he's already seen this trailer. Uh, so, um, I may or you may feel not feel compelled to uphold your end of the bargain. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Like, if we go and see Dune and the Matrix is in front of it, because of course which it will be. be. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, then I might not be able to pull myself away from that and i I might be okay with it because i can i can tell you that i i only watched it the once i didn't pause it at any point and Mm -hmm. i it hits there's not enough time of any one particular image on screen necessarily for you to really overanalyze anything about it yeah. yeah it's all pretty quick there are a few like moments that are so cool and so distinct that they're kind of fresh in my mind uh, but overall, I, I mean, I'm definitely more in team no trailer these days, like you. Yeah. Uh, and and in general, that has that has proven to to be wise. Uh, but with this, it's just so the Matrix is still. I mean, those the three movies have been out collectively now for like eighteen years or something. Yeah. And they're still kind of a mystery. <laughs> like the no one can for sure with i think too much confidence say they know exactly what's going on in every single you know facility of the matrix movies mm-hmm. um and that's kind of how i feel about the trailer too like i think i could probably watch it 20 times in a row and just be like i don't know i could put together theories and i could read what people are saying online but at the same time i'm kind of too old for that now so i'm just like whatever like i, I watched it i liked it. it it did i guess the tldr of it all is that it did get me a lot more excited when I heard they were making a fourth matrix. I was kind of like, why? Mm-hmm. And then they slowed. I, and then I kind of also thought it would go away. I thought it would just die or they would start to get it off the ground and then say, you know what? It's not going to work. I thought maybe COVID would kill it. You know, something like that. So at some point the project would just die off. But, and then, you know, recently, I think when they said that they were releasing the images, I was like, Oh God, it's actually happening. It's actually, yeah. and it's coming out this December. Like, are they actually going to make that date? And, uh, it seems like they are. So now I'm more excited, certainly after seeing it. And, and there's just a few little like cues in the trailer and a few little, little things about the marketing that are really cool. And they kind of, they're kind of transporting me back to when those movies were coming out. And it was, it was so fresh and it was unlike anything that had been done or that we'd seen before from a, not only a, a story and, and visual standpoint, but from a, like a marketing and, and cultural standpoint. Yeah. So it does kind of feel cool that we're kind of echoing back to that era. And it's a little shot of nostalgia that I think people our age or within, you know, five, 10 years of our ages are going to really uh, resonate with. So it's cool. It's cool. There's a Matrix movie coming out, I guess. And I hope it's good. If it's not good, it's going to really stink. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like it could be the final nail in the coffin for anything Matrix related. Which, and, you know. and I'm you said something earlier that made me think if they were making a matrix movie and it was completely fresh characters in that world, I'd be down for that. Like, I, I think that would be really neat. I think a, uh, even like an HBO series or something along those lines, a limited thing would have been neat just exploring that world. Cause there's a ton of potential there, but 
I, I think the one thing nobody's really clamoring for is more of the outside world stuff, more yeah. of the real worlds, like in, um, I, I can't even remember the name of there is in Zion, all that jazz. It's yeah. just overall, it's just not fun to watch. And although some of the, th- some of the political stuff and all that going on there might've been kind of interesting, but ultimately it's the stuff in the matrix that we all care about. So yeah, I hope that that's what the new one is focusing on more. Yeah. No, we'll have to see. We'll be back December yes. something to twenty second, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So man, it's crazy. New Matrix it's, movie. Yeah, it's funny to think that Dune and The Matrix are coming out like on HBO and theaters at the same time. And I'm those are the two movies where I'm like, I I can't imagine watching those for the first time on my TV. Yeah. At home. I gotta yeah. go to the theater for that. Yeah. I I I think that is that is one case where I'm like, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be there, you know. Barring theaters closing down, I will, I will be in right. the seat for those. So, yes. All right, shall we move on? Yeah. Speaking of being in the theaters and having it be important to the experience. <laughs> yes, we went and saw the Green Knight in theaters uh, from director David Lowry, and this is a film. Uh, the IMDb synopsis says, A fantasy retelling of the medieval story of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Uh, starring Dev Patel, Alicia Vikander, Joel Edgerton, and a few other people. Uh, Kate Dickey, Sean Harris. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so... Did you say Bill Edgerton? I don't know. <laughs> or I Phil Edgerton? It's Joel Edgerton is what I meant to say. It sounded uh, like Bill. I don't know if his brother or Bill. Uh, or his Uncle Phil. Fa- Father Bill, yeah, I don't know. Um, so, The Green Knight. Uh, have you? Did you see any of David Lowry's previous work? I've heard great things about A Ghost Story, and I'm planning to watch it around Halloween-ish this year. Yeah, likewise. I don't think I have, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull... Uh, the old IMDb. He's got a lot of shorts and things. Oh, that says editor. Let's go with director here. Um, oh, he directed he, the Pete's Dragon, which I heard was pretty good, actually. Yeah, I did not see that. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, and the Old Man Body and the Gun. My ain't, brother said that was good. I think Ain't Them Body Saints was one of his bigger. Yes. With Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara. Mm-hmm. And uh, the old uh, Medivh himself, Ben Foster. Um. <laughs> I'll have you know I pulled that out of my brain. I didn't that, need to that see was it very good. <laughs> I would not have been able to pull that out of my brain. It's it's locked away too far. Yeah, that's too that's deep. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I haven't seen any David Lowry before this. Um, but I had always heard great things about his work, and uh, this seems like it was a pretty good uh, intro to that. Wow, um, he's directing a Peter Pan movie. Hmm interesting um so yeah i think with the green knight this is oh it's a peter pan it is a it's a disney live action peter Peter pan Pan and wendy yeah well those live action disney's don't exactly have the best track record and yeah well i mean yeah no they do they do financially Uh, alright, and that's enough of our other podcasts, uh, Nick and Alex read IMDb. Um. <laughs> together. Yeah, but together separate. over the internet, uh, on, on a podcast. Um, 
So the Green Knight, honestly, I knew nothing about this movie going in uh, other than Dev Patel. Um, and obviously the fact that like a lot of people were talking about it. Um, it was interesting to me, the IMDb is uh, 88% certified fresh for the tomato meter, and the audience score is a flat 50%. Woo! Um, that's the, that's my jam right there. Yeah, that's where... Uh, that's the sweet spot. I'd prefer the critical to be a little bit lower, too. Yeah, the crit- I mean, dead on 50%, 50% is like... That's great. Let's get that, in the shit. You that's know? where we thrive. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But yeah, so uh yeah, the Green Knight. I honestly like my um Where do you start? I don't know. I, I was gonna say my exposure to the uh my my lack of any sort of affinity for a lot of swords and sandals pushes me away from any real um uh medieval fantasy stuff. Uh, I really like the Lord of the Rings, but other than that, like I, I don't really dig too deep. The only other thing that I know that I can name that I've seen in that kind of world is probably the Merlin uh, TV Ooh, miniseries Sam with Sam Neill as Merlin, which Goodness. Uh, was fun back in the day, but I remember nothing else about it. So, um, but uh, you know, there's a lot of other stuff out there that I just don't really. It's never pulled me to it. And so I don't really see a lot of it. Mm. Um, and so, you know, this was kind of... And the interesting thing is I feel like we don't really see as much of it now. No. It was very much something that was, like, pretty... I mean, it's pretty expensive to make medieval period movies in terms of, like, knights in armor and even, like, magic of some kind or whatever you're going to actually portray yeah. in these movies. It certainly depends on the scale. Yes, that's for sure. Because um, Netflix has made a couple now, and I haven't watched any of them, but I've heard the Outlaw King with Chris Pine mm-hmm. is decent, and um, the one with uh, Timothée Chalamet, uh, I think it's just called The King, maybe something like that. Maybe I, is this I, an, is this about to be an episode of Nick and Alex read IMDb? Uh, yeah, I think we're back. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I've heard those are those are pretty solid. I mean, Swords and Sandals is funny because that description can be really broad. True. Like, uh, I don't even, like Gladiator, I think, is one of the first ones I think of in terms of like big, big scale, big blockbuster, box office, critical, cultural, like that was, that was one that. Has swords, check. Has sandals, check. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think the Green Knight has any sandals. I don't know. It does have a lot of swords. It's not really a sandal climate. Is yeah. the impression I get, and it's like Christmas time, so that's true. That's true. So is it? It does it fall in the swords and sandals genre? Is it's, is maybe the genre called swords or sandals? Is that a better name for it? Maybe, maybe, yeah. <laughs> I think. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. It's swords, also, but not excluding and or sandals. Or limited to yeah, swords and or sandals. <laughs> we'll update it. I'll push that to the internet. It'll Good. it'll go out. I'll yeah, let everyone list. know. And make um, sure that everyone's CC'd so they can reply all on accident if yeah, uh, of course. no one likes that. Yeah. Yeah, this um yeah, I agree. That that's a genre that's a genre a genre that genre. I don't really I don't have a huge affinity for. Uh, I do which is funny because like every time I watch one that's like so good, I do really love it. And I think of like Skyrim and like games like that, how fun they are to play. But if you were gonna ask me if I was more of a fantasy or sci fi nerd, I would be sci fi every single day of the week. Mm-hmm. 
But it's so easy to make a bad, cheesy sci-fi movie, and it's so easy to make a bad, cheesy fantasy movie, too, if yeah. not easier, in my opinion. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of, like, decent ones. There's a lot of good ones. I mean, I have kind of a weird soft spot for Ridley Scott's Robin Hood. I recognize that that is a weird soft spot. But, like, Kingdom of Heaven is really sweet. The uh, Even the Clive Owen King Arthur is is fun. It's a fun watch. Uh, and that's a stupidly stacked cast. Uh, and actually Joel Edgerton plays Sir Gawain in that movie, oh, which is fun. weird. Yeah. Or Sir Gar- Garwin. If you're uh, Sean, Sean Harris, Sean Harris yeah. Garwin, <laughs> dude, I was scratching my head like 10 minutes of the movie. I was like, what is this guy's name? And how, how do you say it? <laughs> There's three or four different people that say it differently. It's really well, funny. And I, I was, I listened to the slash film cast and, uh, and uh. they, they, uh, Apparently, Joanna Robinson of uh, Vanity Fair uh, has a, an interview with David Lowry, and I think that topic comes up, and David Lowry was like, yeah, for some reason, Sean Harris called him Garwin, and we just went with it. Yeah, I, that's what I read, too. He said a lot of it was based on just people's accents and where they were from regionally. It was like a pronunciation thing, so he just rolled with it. Yeah. Which, which is kind of cool. Yeah. It kind of adds to the fableiness of it all. Exactly. You know? And so. Yeah, and I, from what I gathered from some snippets of the interviews I read, um, like I, I, so I sent his AMA to you after we watched the movie, and uh, he had a lot of great answers. He was really involved and tried to answer a ton of topics, it seemed like. But one big vibe I got off of him was that he kind of treats the whole thing and many of his stories as though they're like fairy tales mm-hmm. and, and fables, kind of like you said. So. Uh, I think that that's that that comes through in the movie. It's it's a weirdly like serious and and dark movie, but it's also kind of light throughout a lot of it. It's really strange. Yeah, I, I can't. The more so. Okay, while we were watching it in the theater, I was enjoying it. I was having a, a good time watching it. I liked the story. I loved the actors. The performances were great. Visually, it was out of control. Uh, the sound design was awesome the music was very cool mm-hmm. it was just an experience and early on and probably in the first act I kept kind of thinking like you know for better or worse no matter how this thing lands at the end I'm gonna walk out kind of feeling the way I did after watching The Witch where I was like wow that was an experience unlike one I've <laughs> ever had before Yeah, and I didn't like The Witch that much I liked it enough I liked The Lighthouse way more Uh and this was this was kind of seemed like it was kind of steering down that a similar path. But I ended up liking this. I don't know why I'm comparing those two necessarily, but I ended up liking this the best of those. And I guess those are probably A24 movies too, right? I think that's kind of I think that's uh, kind of the, yeah, the vibe that I'm getting. Anyway, as far as like the the more accessible, we'll call them mid budget indie movies that are coming out today, starring like actual stars. Mm-hmm. This one I liked a lot. And I would end up watching again, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I guess that that's about... That's fine. What about you? <laughs> I <laughs> I'm think trying honestly, really hard to be more concise. No, I, I don't. I think this movie inspires you to not be, in a lot of ways. Like, it's a very amorphous... Like, it's... I feel like the minute you start to get a bead on how to classify it, it just kind of floats away and becomes something different. Which is Mm -hmm. fun. Like, I think, honestly, as I was watching the movie, I agree with you on a lot of things that, like, the actors are fantastic. Everything looks 
incredible. Like I think any still from this movie could be a piece of art on a wall. And I know yeah. some people say that a lot, but it's definitely true about this movie. Um, but as it ended, I don't really know that I felt any real pull toward it, but it's been stewing in my brain for the past several days. Exactly. It just continues to kind of like ruminate and lure me in and, and make me kind of feel like, yeah, what, you know, like what I think the fun thing about it is there's so many different layers that all kind of what any one person gets out of the movie could be completely true, you know? And so what you choose to extract from it, whether it's, you know, uh, on its face, some sort of tale from the, the, the middle ages, or it's, you know, uh, like if it's some sort of Christ allegory, which I think a lot of people have been drawing upon or, Anything of those, like any any kind of the broad strokes that people pull out of it, I think are things that all have something meaningful to look at it. And that's kind of, to me, what makes it so fascinating. And it sounds like David Lowry, in a lot of cases, wants people to chew on it and stare into it and see what stares back at them. Mm. And that, to me, is so much more fascinating than just like, you know, Ridley Scott being ending. like Deckard's a replicant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I went directly to that, but that was the first thing that I could think of. Where I was uh, like, no, that's perfect. I can yeah. just picture Ridley being like the pissed off direct. You you run into him in the street and ask him, "Hey, man," and that's what he would say. He would have no time for like <laughs> he's a fucking replicant and he walks yeah. off. <laughs> Yeah, and Harrison Ford would have the opposite reaction. Absolutely. Yeah, equal is... but opposite. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I think here's the thing: is that I feel as though there's there's not. I think anybody who listens to the Midwest Film Nerds podcast would get something good out of this movie. I think there's also a whole entire swath of moviegoers that just would not care to put any thought into it and honestly would come out of this movie and be like what the fuck did i just watch for two and a half hours yeah you know and i i you know i can't really blame them but also it's kind of like why did you go see the green Knight? why did you find the one theater in your area that's playing the green Knight right now and go to the two showtimes that i had mm-hmm. um so it's kind of it's kind of it's hard for me to kind of see too much into that but i think the rotten uh, th- tomatoes all kind of make sense to me yeah this is one that if we all still worked at the video store we would for sure be like issuing some sort of credit for somebody coming in thinking they were renting i mean this is one of those movies where if the marketing was sort of dishonest yeah we'd we'd be dealing with a lot of aggravated customers and we would be irritated and as a result because this is one that i would i would feel compelled to be very transparent about and say it's really cool it's really interesting uh it's very different but it's not like don't go in expecting you know any sort of action heavy you know medieval uh adventure drama type thing it's definitely almost like a giant cautionary tale (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely honestly your your description is the best you're saying that you know the director wants you to stare into it and and see what stares back is exactly right on yeah yeah and i think like honestly i don't even necessarily know like we can get into spoilers if you did want to touch on any specific points that i think were that that you think are are worth kind of commenting on but 
like the one thing that I, I want to say is that like even after <laughs> the the experience that we had at the theater going to see this movie with friend of the show Shabir, and uh, you know hanging out and talking with one of the guys that was working there for some time afterwards. Um, God, that was refreshing. It was great, and and it was also it came at the right time, but then also like I think with where we are in our lives, there's this kind of um, this movie's very much about going kind of being like. I don't know what my life is about. And he ends up going on an adventure. And, and I think the, you know, this idea of like all of these knights that get knighted and become part of the round table have these legends about them. Like he he even mentioned something about sitting among legends. Yes. And, and so the fact that like the story is about him going to create his legend I think is something that's kind of interesting to take take a look at and and kind of think about in the respect of like where am I at in my life and have I filled it with a story that I enjoy or is it you know is there still time for me to do something of that nature that type of thing and I think those kinds of ruminations on this like a very introspective rumination on this movie is probably like a a, a healthy way to look at things if not you know I don't necessarily want anybody to be like I've wasted my life because I didn't go on a journey but you know well yeah i think that it it, you make a great point and i think for for a group of guys in their ranging from their early to late 30s to watch this movie and and kind of have those questions and those scenarios presented is kind of funny because yeah you you can get something out of it i'm sure no matter which phase of life you're in but Mm -hmm. To be at such turning points as we tend to find ourselves as humans from our, you know, mid-20s to our mid-30s, um, or potential turning points, rather, uh, it is in- it is interesting to watch a character make a set of decisions and see where it's going to lead them, in- in both in relation to their to their legend, but also their, their person, how they-, how they grow and who they turn into. Mm-hmm. It's... Um, you know, that whole... I guess there's a few things I would like to talk about that are lie beyond the, the spoiler curtain. But in non-spoilery, just general speak, I think it, I think it's absolutely worth watching. I mean, I, I liked it so much more than I, I... I was really pumped to see it. And then we we delayed our, our theater trip by a week. Mm-hmm. And in that week, I kind of lost some enthusiasm to see it. And I was like, well... All right, I'll still go. I mean, I want to go to the theaters. I do. I know I want to see this movie. I just had kind of lost some steam, and mm-hmm. I'm so glad that we did. Yeah, this, had, this was one. I have no doubt if I was watching it at home, I would have fallen asleep, and uh, or and or just like gotten fidgety because it's it is kind of like you said. It's kind of meandering. It's kind of meandering is not really the right word because it. it it just doesn't have like a strong story, but that's mm-hmm. kind of the point because Gawain doesn't know really what he's in for. He he does have, he's at a point A and he has a point B, but it's not a straight line mm-hmm. with a roadmap. It's very much like you're, you're along for the ride with him. And there's also this idea that the Knights back then had, had a series of kind of tests or trials that they needed to, to go through, uh, and each of those is kind of manifested in this movie in a different way. And that's something that's some like Arthurian lore that I did not really know on like a conscious level. Mm. But after reading about it more after the fact, I was like, oh, shit, that's really cool. 
yeah. that that's in this movie, and so it it does have some layers to it that you can get you can get deeper into it if you want to, but you don't need to. Yeah, to and, appreciate and, it. Yeah, I think you're right. Like I was thinking about it, and I was like, I am glad I did see it in the movie theater because I personally have little to no self control to not like pick up my phone if I get even the slightest little bit of I don't really need to pay attention at this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And so you you start you trick yourself into thinking like oh he's just on a horse going into the woods like uh, the next few the next ten to fifteen seconds don't really matter yeah you're like I but got they it. but they do like they're part of the they always do that's the thing like for better or for worse those those moments are part of the experience they're part of the world and it's not like well uh, and one of the things one of the things sorry to interrupt you but like, no it's one okay of the things that I really want to that I wanted to express as I was thinking about it in this movie was that I've never really felt as though I've seen a, I've seen any sort of Arthurian legend swords and sand swords and or sandals kind of movie with this amount of like patience and mm. also movement as well. Like there are so many shots that are just very much like, I feel like in a lot of in a lot of cases, when I think back to something like a like some mythical King Arthur movie that I can't think of because I've probably never actually seen it, but in my mind's eye, if I think even to like Monty Python and the Holy Grail, sure. I think about like a camera that sits there, looks at people, cuts to the reverse shot, cuts back. Like it's very much a very stately we're mm-hmm. going to keep you in the frame, probably because the movie would be too expensive if we moved it around too much. Right. And this movie feels like it lives beyond those confines. I don't know how, because I don't know where they filmed it and how much of it was on sets and what was not on sets and anything of that nature. But there's so much where we get to glimpse the entire world around and we get to sit there and watch him ride off and really like live in the experience. It just feels so much more natural and, and real than you know well there's there's a lot of very meaningful purposeful camera work in this movie and i'm glad you're calling attention to it because it it reminds me kind of of m night Shyamalan's directorial style where simple camera movement with purpose can just do a ton Hmm. and it's something that i think it's really really overlooked and underappreciated when someone can just have you know that that's kind of one of the main most powerful tools of the medium is the ability to move that camera through space. Yeah. And that's why when so much animated, you know, post-production camera movement, see green screen shot stuff feels shitty to us is because although it's all make believe and it's all, uh, it's all fabricated. We, we are physical creatures that inhabit a physical space and we understand how, what movement feels like and what moving through a space naturally and physically actually feels like, even when we watch it on screen, mm-hmm. which is why I think, although it's easy to confuse the two, I think people can instinctively feel the difference between like a zoom and like a dolly move because it it looks different in accordance with like what our eyes, you know, perceive when we move through a space. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think of like, I, I always think of this example, but like when, when the uh, the family in signs are holding the baby monitor and the camera like pulls back along them to reveal it like right up close in the lens 
it's such a uh, that whole sequence is full of really really great camera movement uh that reveals objects by moving the camera back or forward to let them reveal themselves in the frame rather than showing one and then cutting to b and then showing a and then cutting back to b like you can do a ton with editing and i'm not poo-pooing the art of editing i will poo-poo when someone decides to just make the whole movie in editing and just you know getting tons of coverage and then finding it in the edit some people can make that work but in general i think it's kind of a hazardous practice and kind of a novice move that a lot of directors go for and just think i oh, will just cover the cri- the christ out of it and then you know f- put it together in the in the cutting room well and it's and, it, it's it feels so much more safe you know, right? And and it gives you like I'm like I'm saying, I'm realizing that it gives you like a very limited view of the world that they've created for you, right? Yeah. And, and I think for a lot of directors, especially younger directors or newer directors, maybe is the more appropriate term, uh it's kind of it kind of betrays like a lack of confidence or a lack of understanding of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so impressive to me when these younger guys like this guy and and Knight when he was in his uh kind of in his early phase of his movies, you can come out and step into a movie, especially one with so much fantastical uh, imagery and, and subject matter in it, and you can just step up to the plate and just crush that ball. It's mm-hmm. so impressive to me to say, like, man, you you knew exactly what you wanted to do at all times, and it shows. Like, there's nothing that feels like a like a, like an afterthought or like a, eh, it'll, it'll do... Uh, it all feels so purposeful and so uh, thought thought out and uh, and and cared for, which is really cool. Like there, I think that's another reason the movie just felt so good. As I was like, man, every single everything we're seeing was in, was thought about carefully and intentionally, yeah. and that's awesome. Very deliberate and confident, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the the visual appeal. Obviously, the the camera work is is one thing, but the lighting is just so good. And I kept thinking about all the scenes, like in toward the beginning, like in Arthur's like keep in his uh, in his banquet hall or whatever's going on there. Uh, even the opening sequence, the very very opening shot, but then a lot of the ending shots in the third act, it was just so dramatic mm-hmm. and so contrasty and so just painterly it was awesome it just was god it was so refreshing because i think a lot of we've or i've been spending a lot of time kind of just like grumbling about the flatness of a lot of the stuff that we're seeing lately and sometimes i get that it's like an artistic choice sometimes i think it's just just junk yeah, lack of effort, lack of budget, perhaps lack of consideration, maybe maybe just in general lack of artistic merit in a project, which is okay. Like I don't expect everybody to treat everything like it's like they're going to be painting their Mona Lisa necessarily, but it's just nice to see movies where like it's just it feels more like an old like a movie that was made, you know, longer ago than this year or last year, you know? Mm-hmm. Even like for its faults uh, or despite its faults and its flaws, reminiscence, remembrance. What was it called? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's remembrance, Re- isn't it? Re- reminiscence is. Crazy. It is reminiscence. <laughs> Shit, I had it the first time. Uh, visually, it had some awesome stuff going for it, and it was very dramatic at times, and it just felt like it was uh, it was treated with that uh, with that approach, which just was nice. Um, but this movie, anyway. Long story short, it's just like it's it's phenomenal to look at. 
and uh even just the colors in it are just so crazy and so cool mm-hmm. it's uh it was great i mean in the theater I, i'm just again I'll, I'll never be able to to have my my experience and like a divergent nick's experience merge so i can see how it would have gone if i watched this for the first time at home but i i'm willing to to guarantee that this was way better in the theater than it would be at home. Yeah, and I think depending on the tools available to your experience, you know, I think that's true. Not, like honestly, if if you had come over and we're like, we're gonna watch the Green Knight, and then we both held hands instead of looking at our phones or something like that, like maybe we could have recreated the same experience <laughs> instead of holding hands at the theater. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, box of snow caps in one hand. Uh huh. Oh my um, god! And that's speaking of, so it's so hard for me to go to the movies and not have. <laughs> some type of candy for generally snow caps, but I fully recognize that snow caps are the loudest candy in the box. <laughs> and there was no good time during this movie to have a handful of snow caps. And yeah. it was so funny because anytime I like adjusted the box, like in my hand or in the cup holder or whatever, I just echoed. <laughs> and I was like, Oh Jesus, I gotta, I gotta crush this box of candy before this movie gets too far <laughs> before we get all, before we all get invested. Yeah, no, it's it, like one of those. The other one this year was um, a Quiet Place Part Two. Oh uh, God, I, could I not, can't even imagine. You can't, you can't even get. You can't get pop. Don't buy popcorn during those. Movies. Do nothing. It's, you just yeah. got to sit. Wear yep. your mask. <laughs> don't yep. don't do anything. Just watch the movie. Only your eyes are exposed. Um. So I think we both do recommend the movie. Honestly, like I think you know, it would be good to go see it in theaters. Obviously, if you. Do not feel as though it's safe to do so, especially where you are. Don't uh, don't do that. But you know, I yes. Think even 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 at home, I just we implore you to watch it on the biggest screen that you can find, and also put your phone in sleep mode or something. Turn. Do not disturb. Put it to the side. Try to try to focus on the movie because mm-hmm. it's like it's. There's something about that deliberateness that I think honestly makes a lot of people uncomfortable, including myself today. <laughs> so like forcing you yourself to kind of sit with that, I think is always interesting and good. Yeah. Um, you need, uh, you need those moments of, you need those lulls like in the action to not only let yourself, and I use the term action loosely, uh, maybe <laughs> the lulls from the drama as well, but to kind of not only, calm yourself down and, and come down off the high of whatever you just saw, but also to kind of chill you out before the next one comes. Mm-hmm. And I think that we in general are so used to just constant stimulation. Now I read this funny thing. I meant to post this in the discord. Um, this will come, I'm sure as no surprise to literally anyone, but Christopher Nolan claims to not own a smartphone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he says he has a, a flip phone and that's it for when he needs to be reached for just for calls because yeah. he said he 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 is easily distractible is what he said by his own admission and he said he knows if he had it at any time he got slightly bored he would just dive into his phone and just fart around like we all do mm-hmm. and the idea of Christopher Nolan at home just sitting on the toilet like on reddit is really funny <laughs> but he said he said you know people have no trouble reaching me he's like i have a phone and then i'm always around when i'm working i'm always surrounded by people who are easily reachable who can you know it's not it's not because he wants to isolate himself, but he's like, I know the temptation therein. And he said the way his particular creative process works, he says he does a lot of his best thinking uh, when he's when he's just kind of in those in-between moments, you know? Yeah. When he lets himself not be engaged in something and just kind of lets his mind clear and wander. 
And, you know, you think about when you're when we were kids in like the 90s and then none of this existed uh, when you would like daydream at school or whatever, when you would get lost in something or even just on the bus or in the car or at home, you know, whenever you would zone out. I think you, when you were a kid, you, you had some pretty fantastical thoughts, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And when you let your mind wander and let it loosen up, that's when it really starts to be able to be free and be creative. And I guess for Nolan, that's kind of part of his process. And uh, it, I was thinking about that and when thinking about this movie, because a lot of those kind of beats in between when nothing directly is happening, even if it's just for, you know, 30 seconds, it it is kind of part of the fabric of that whole experience. And I think it it was great. Yeah. I think that it, it felt deliberate, it felt intentional, and, it, you know, you can't just be hammered with something intense happening all the time. Otherwise, you just, what is that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, do you want to do some brief spoiler Terry here? Yeah, really brief. Uh, all right. Spoilers for the green Knight start now. Um, I didn't need to save this to spoilers, but I did want to mention real quick. Cause you made me think of it at one point, the sound design of the green Knight himself. And just the, I was just going to say, I was going to say, <laughs> if we count down from three and say the same thing, we're thinking at the same time, what will it be? Three, two, one. Ralph Innocent. Ralph right? Innocent, absolutely. Okay, yeah. yeah. Definitely <laughs> so Ralph Innocent. sweet. In, in all forms, both visual appearance, the costume in which they put him in, the, the voice. voice. The voice, the movements, the mm-hmm. little facial expression. I mean, oh my God. Well, and so yeah, And just cool. like the, the, uh, the, there's something about the movie, including the visuals and the sound, that feels very hyper-realistic in some ways that are not... Uh, it maybe it's, it puts it in that fairy tale kind of world where, you know, the, the sounds and the visuals are accentuated and more colorful and louder or just more granular or what, I don't know, whatever it is. It's like, it feels like it's in, it's beyond high resolution in some cases of just like the, the, the joints of that tree man moving. I can feel it in me, like being in the theater and just with the way that it is in the sound mix, I thought was incredible. But, uh, but yeah, absolutely. I think the, the green Knight himself, uh, uh, the, the tree man, as I'll call him, what is he even, is he credited on IMDb? Let's see what it says. I think he's the green Knight. Yeah. Well, and I think the, the green, the tight, yeah, he's credited as green Knight. Uh, there's a lot of people that are like, well, you know, uh, Dev Patel could also be the Green Knight. And we also didn't really say anything about Dev Patel. Dev Patel, I think, is great in this movie. Yes. Uh, oh, we were gonna, uh, we're everything. getting there. Yeah, yeah. he's he's uh, phenomenal. Oh, any Anything else on the Ralph Innocent beat uh, that I have glossed over? No, I think he just is such a cool actor. Uh, anytime I see his name now attached to anything, I'm just going to be just amped for, for him. Because, I mean, obviously he's like a good character actor. He's got like, he's got that presence. Uh, but he's like really good in this and he's not in it much at all. Yeah. But uh, this could have totally gone in non spoilers. <laughs> you might have to transplant it. Uh, he's just, he's so, he really conveys a lot of like menace and then also like a lot of warmth and it's really impressive. Well, and it plays to the kind of the duality of the movie of, yes. of that final moment of, 
That's does. just a guy. That's a guy who's pretty threatening. I think he, yes. he tends to have a lot of menace to him and, and be kind of intense and intimidating. But like towards the end, there he just is kind of like that, I don't know. Just that fucking laugh that he gives is even is kind of like uh, it's it's completely like it's just I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, <laughs> is he taking joy in the fact that Dev Patel figured out and like he he literally watched a man's life flash before his eyes. Is he laughing at the fact that he's about to kill this dude who's accepted his death? Oh, dude, it's like uh, it's like, like Vincent Price's laugh in Thriller. It's yeah. crazy. Yep. <laughs> it's yeah. layered with so much. What is happening? It's <laughs> uh, it's so cool. It is very cool. Absolutely. That whole yeah, and since you just mentioned that, that whole sequence in like the yes. third act is just incredible. Man, what what they do with ten minutes in this movie <laughs> is just unreal. And it looks, yeah. he looks, as they age him, it looks completely natural and, like, mm-hmm. very, very real. I never thought, oh, there's a shitty wig. No. It, it just, like, it looked great. Yeah. And it was so sad and so, like, I don't know, terrifying. It was almost like, a, it kind of reminded me almost of a, um, a Christmas Carol, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, like, it, it very much, it reminds me of, like, I don't. Honestly, I've had these experiences before where, like, um, especially when I would more vividly remember my dreams when I was younger, but, like, even just the the idea of you have lived some amount of life and then you wake up from it and you're, like, you, you wake up from falling asleep and you're, like, oh, so that was a dream and that passed by and that was an experience, but I felt like I lived it. The fact that like they can make that happen in 10 minutes of a movie and honestly make me completely forget that that could even like, I didn't, I didn't see the snap back to reality coming until the last possible moment of like, you know, him taking off the belt and the head falling off. Like Mm -hmm. it, it very much like, it's just kind of a very, it feels like something that would be very typical of a movie. Like the flashback or the flash before your eyes. Mm-hmm. It could have been like a very easy like montage of just like, here's the moments of a life. But it was very, it felt so lived in and so real. Mm. And It did. And, and the way that it was edited made it feel so fairy tale, you know, because I apparently can't find a better term. Like it just... It just really, it was incredible. It's I thought, incredible I thought, sequence. I thought it was for sure what actually was happening. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I was like, okay, so he goes to see the night and he flees. That's cool. Like I was like, so it's a tale of like cowardice, but is he just gonna like lie and hype up his legend, uh, saying that he killed the Green Knight or whatever? But mm-hmm. and uh, how many other knights have done that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of where I thought it was going. But uh, ultimately, I think where it landed on like a note of kind of positivity and optimism uh, and hope that he, he took the right lesson away from it uh, was so much more satisfying. Like it would have, it would have been uh, a little predictable to mm-hmm. maybe say like, Oh yeah, here's the, here's the fart artsy fartsy indie movie about the night. And he's actually, you know, it, it's kind of a deconstruction of the whole myth and they're all actually cowards and liars. And that's why none of them stepped up to the green Knights challenge. Cause they're all older and they realize that, you know, all the legends and myths are just bullshit, but yeah. I'm glad it didn't go that way. It was, uh, it was much more satisfying and, and I think was, there was a better p- potential lesson to take away from it there. 
Yeah. So I I liked it. I liked I liked the whole thing a lot. I would. I also um, what is his name from Dunkirk, and he's going to be in Eternals. He plays like the highway robber. Um, uh, Barry Keegan. Yes. I when he walked, so he has such a distinct face. Yeah, when he walked out, I was like, "Is that yeah, Barry Keegan?" Yeah. I was like, "Is that him?" And I wasn't sure. And then when I looked, when I looked at the credits afterward, and I saw it was, I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." Yeah, I'm very excited to see him in Eternals because the character he's playing, I think, uh, I think he's going to be pretty pitch perfect for, and that's Mm. uh, that's exciting. It's also cool to see Aaron Kellyman. Yes. From uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and she was so she had one of the best sequences in this movie, and she was so good in it. Yeah, it was like all parts scary and horrible and, and funny. funny and <laughs> sweet, and it yeah. just was like it was such a bizarre and awesome sequence. She was so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, everybody in this was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I was a little so. I guess the last two things. Dev Patel was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he is such a such a gifted and interesting actor, and I think he has gone so much further than I thought possible for him, based mm-hmm. on like his early kind of breakthroughs. Uh, he just is capable of playing almost anything. Like I would not be surprised at all if he were to one day just like put on like forty pounds of muscle and play like somebody in like a born franchise reboot or like James Bond or something. I'd be like, totally <laughs> makes sense. This guy can do anything. He's awesome. Um, so that, that's the one thing I think he's just magnetic and phenomenal. The second thing. So do you think, what do you think about his, his mom being involved in conjuring up the green Knight? What do you think is going on there? Yeah, your, well, your take. And this this leads me to one other thing that I I meant to mention but forgot to kind of talk about is the idea that like this is an Arthurian legend, but a lot of it is very much implied because they don't use any names uh, in the movie, and um, his his mom is technically uh, Arthur's sister, right? Yes, which is she's typically in these legends a witchcrafty type of or a, a, a some i can't even remember i don't know that's how how little i actually know about this stuff to me it's one of those things where it's like um i think the way that i kind of read it especially on its face is like she is selfishly trying to put herself into greatness right like we see arthur is pretty braille it almost he's kind of implied in the beginning yeah. of the movie and especially towards the end when he knights going but um her i mean i think she has these motivations and these wants for her son of like i want to i want you to have a great life but then i think there's also the other side of it that is we could get you on that throne and this is you you need to become someone great in order to do it you know right um and so yeah i i mean i i haven't like ruminated on it enough i think but i like she very much i think those are kind of the two primary motivations that she would maybe have and i don't okay. really know that the movie wants you to fall on either side of it or it could be both what are your sure. thoughts you know i don't know that i have a a well-reasoned and, and committed uh thought on this i i had read some some conflicting thoughts on um on like the reddit and the ama um i I read both Mm. generally now so i used to have only one ritual and i'd finish a movie and it was to go on imdb and read the trivia 
Yeah. I still have that one, mm-hmm. but I like to do one more and just go to the R movies uh, official like post on like that mega thread that movie exactly yeah. yeah just to see what the what the people are thinking mm-hmm. and um, I generally always get some good takeaways some interesting stuff on there as well as usually some really funny uh, laughs from in there as well and this definitely succeeded on both of those fronts but uh, it's a bonus if I can find an AMA from a director or a star yeah but uh, so I found all three of those things in this movie which was great uh, and I was reading different people's thoughts and you know I kind of immediately presumed during the movie that it was her basically yes trying to force a uh, a legend on him uh but i didn't know what the ultimate motivation was was it to think he would be successful and come back uh i, I guess it could have gone two yeah. it could have gone two ways either he would go he would leave the castle and he'd come back with an amazing story and then he would get his legend and everybody would be like oh hell yeah gawain and he might get knighted and he might rise to some sort of power or she knew her son well enough to know that he was going to go and be changed by the experience and become like a and finally kind of morph into the man that he's destined to be, to be or yeah. or or has the potential to be so i think it was kind of almost like a calculated risk on her end of like she knows that many men would face this trial and fail. They'd either come back in cowardice like he did and lie about it and make all the bad decisions in life and do all the bad, uh, take all the bad paths, or they would make the right choice, face the trial as a, as a, a, as a brave, courageous knight and come away from it forever changed by the experience. And I think that's what happened. And whether that was her intention or not, I think that that's, uh, that's pretty I'm just, again, very happy with the ending. I think it was nice to have some positivity in there. <laughs> yeah, and I think um, the... You're, you're, I'm recalling what one of the guys on the Slash Filmcast said. I think Devendra was, was mentioned, like, Home, homie's still living at home. Yes. Mom wants him out of the house. <laughs> True. <laughs> so, you know, conjuring up this adventure for him to finally leave and then maybe come back with some valor, uh, I think is... You know, that's a pretty base level reading of it, but certainly valid. Yeah. Um, but I guess, I guess, kind of where I want to, the last thing I want to touch on with you is where, where do you fall on what actually happens? Like, what we can mean? take into account at the end. Obviously, the movie wants you to, wants to leave the question kind of open in that the Green Knight can either finally kill him after he removes his green belt or spare his life because he's learned his lesson and we can add in there the kind of final image of the movie the final thing at at the end of the credits is is the you see the the girl who plays his daughter in his like flash forward sits down with the crown i think right yeah she's like playing with it it looks like yeah so so that maybe implies that like maybe he ran away or maybe he uh maybe he was released by the green knight but what did you think what did you think finally happens after the after the movie ends what's your interpretation if you think it matters or if you have one well from what what i read uh the knight does like give him just a scratch like they said you can see he just gives him a scratch with the axe mm. on okay. his neck cuz that was unclear to me whether or not he was going to like lop his head off or what but they said I- i'm 
definitely multiple people were saying that you can see that he just gives him a scratch and then like a little smile. And then he says off with your head, mm. uh, kind of almost like whimsically, like, playful, yeah, playful, playfully. Yeah. yeah. Because I think in the original challenge, I think he said that a man could deal whatever blow they wanted to him, but he would, he would deal up to the same blow back or somehow he phrased it in a way that didn't say he was going to do it a one-to-one yeah i but, i didn't i didn't leave that that sequence thinking it was a one-to-one for some right reason. he was so, he was allowed to do whatever he want up to the blow that they dealt him mm-hmm. so i think that he i think that the knight sees in him somehow that he is he is well because he chooses to accept it and not run away mm-hmm. and uh what does he do oh he takes off the sash that would allegedly have protected him yes um he takes. He doesn't even take the chance. He just pulls it off and says, "Cool." Like he's ready to die. He's going to make his peace. He's going to hold up his end of the bargain. Yeah. And I think the knight sees it as genuine, and sees that there there's some some goodness in him and some royal blood in him. And so he's like, "You know what?" And he gives him just a little nick. And I believe that David Lowry said that is the case. That is what happens. Okay. But okay. Uh, I don't remember for sure. I know for sure a lot of people said that he just. You can see that he just gives him a little scratch with the axe, um, and that's it. So, well, I, I guess think I that's see what the happened. Movie again. <laughs> well, you know, but there, to be fair, there were a lot of people that claimed at the end of Inception that the top was wobbling, and some that said it wasn't. So yeah, that's fair. I think the I think people... Inception's a little more definitive than that myself, but um, yeah. it it could you know also be like tricks of the sound design and such. So mm. anyway, uh, I do think that he 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 lets him off with a warning, so to speak, and uh, sends him on his way. And I think that I think Gawain does make all the right moves in the end. And I think he chooses to go back and make his, uh, his girlfriend, his queen. And, um, you know, does all the right stuff because he's had that brush with, uh, with a worse fate. And I think I'd like to think too, that that's maybe a trial that, or a, like a, a, a similar trial is something that Arthur and maybe a lot of his other right hand men endured at some point. There's either, a you, you come out, making the right decisions or you come out, you know, wrong in some way. And one sets you down the path to greatness and the other sets you down the path to ruin. Mm-hmm. That's where I stand. Yeah. I, think I choose the, I choose the positive ending. Same with I, inception. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, I think I'm in the same boat with you. So, um, no, no big discrepancy or difference there, but yeah, no, the only other thing that I wanted to mention real quick, I know they said that was the last thing, but you jogged my memory of, me spending several moments of the movie being like, is that Alicia Vikander? Yes. I didn't even know she was in the movie. And then later on in the movie being like, is that Alicia Vikander again? <laughs> and then yeah, like, <laughs> so evidently both of her, both of them are her, but I would have, I would have bet money that obviously the Lord's wife or girl, whatever she was, was mm-hmm. her. Like, as soon yeah. as she showed up, I was like, oh, cool, she's in this. Yes. I, I did not know that that was her playing the girlfriend. I but... I, I suspected it, but there was just something about <laughs> the way that she looked. That well, I was, she looks like, so different than she normally it. does. Yeah. yeah, the shorter hair and just something about the way they made she her She just was kind of dirty. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But then, yeah, when you see her with Joel Edgerton, it was like, that is definitely Alicia Vikander. Yes. But then I was like, wait, did they make her play two roles in the movie? And yeah. I think, you know, yeah, I think it has interesting parallels of, uh, you know. I think that's really cool. I had no idea. Like, I, I would have, I was wondering who the actress was that played his his 
girlfriend because I thought she was great. And then it turns out it was her. And I'm like, oh, she is great. <laughs> One other yeah. last, last, last thing is that allegedly in the story or in the epic poem or whatever you want to call it, that the Lord out in the woods in the manor is the Green Knight also. Mm. And yeah. in some sort of human form for one other kind of trial in the mix. And, uh, yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't really get that impression from the movie necessarily. I also don't know that it mattered. I also don't know that I really care too much other than thinking it's like a neat tidbit. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I feel like if he wanted to go that route, there wouldn't be any issue with, like, it should have been Ralph Innocent at the table instead of Joel Edgerton. Yeah. Not that I don't like seeing Joel Edgerton, because I do. Well, but. they did say in relation to that, and this doesn't count as a separate point because it's directly spinning out of that point, <laughs> that towards the end when you see, like, the quick cuts of the Green Knight's face before, like, the axe falls or doesn't yeah. fall, that it is, like, Joel Edgerton's face as well as, I think, even Dev Patel's face in yeah. the Green Knight's face. Different faces that he keeps seeing as he as because he keeps looking back at him, right? And yes. he's, he's waiting for him to uh, awaken or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And that's when, yeah. That, yes, the faces keep, keep changing. Yep. Yep. Yeah, no, I think that's that's cool and a fun, it's a fun detail, uh, mm -hmm. you know, for those Arthurian legend fans out there. Yep. But, yeah. But, yeah, that's about all I got. I liked it a lot. I liked it uh, much more than, than I expected to, and uh, I'm really just glad that we saw it in the theater, and I, I think I'll be watching it again at some point. Not too far down the road. Yeah, same. Absolutely. I completely agree on all fronts. And I wasn't necessarily anticipating it. Like, I knew from, uh, you know, hearing people talk about it, whether it was film cast or other things, because I, I didn't listen to their full review, but they had kind of given some preliminary thoughts about it a few weeks prior to that, and I wasn't... Uh, I feel like this is the type of movie where if I was not in the mood for it, it could have been bad. You know, it could, it, my, my reaction to it could have been different than what, what I came out with. And, and so I'm glad the stars aligned or whatever. And I was in the right headspace to, to see it and, and enjoy it and experience it. So, uh, yeah. It was a great experience. Yes, it was. Uh, all right. So next time, I don't know what we'll do, cause uh, we'll see. But um, feedback, 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 feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com. <laughs> Welcome to Alex and Nick. Try to end a podcast. Um, yeah, everybody knows all this stuff. Please listen to our other shows. Please check out the Patreon. Please come talk to us on Discord. Um, and yeah. We'll uh we'll see what we end up discussing next at some point in the future. Nick, thank you for joining me today. Talk oh, to of course. Night. I'm glad we made it happen. Yes, me too. And to the rest of